0: Hi everyone! This is Michelle and you're listening to the Warrior Painters Podcast. In this episode, I chatted with storyboard artist Vincent Lee. We talked about what it's like to work on commercials and how that differs from boarding in animation. I've been really impressed by how quickly Vince went from sketching only in black and white to painting beautiful landscapes in gouache and on his phone. And shares why plein air painting is important to him, and gives great tips on how to get started.
1: My name is Vincent. I am a live action storyboard artist in Los Angeles. I mostly work on commercials, occasionally music videos, and occasionally random projects like uh, video games and illustrations.
0: Did you always work in live action storyboarding?
1: That's been most of my work. Before that, I was uh, I was living in the Bay Area and I wasn't doing art. So yeah, that's definitely been most of my work.
0: What were you doing before?
1: Um, I had a really um, boring copy editing job.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. Is that what
0: you went to school for?
1: No, but um, this kind of a little odd. I actually I don't know if I told you guys this ever. Uh, I went to UCLA and um, I was an English major and it's still the only degree I have. Uh, Oh, yeah. um, Mm -hmm. I've always been good somehow at, at least I used to be, at the mechanics of English. So I could do that stuff in my my sleep. So something like copy editing came really easy to me. But I for sure did not do copy editing because it was fun.
0: Right, right. So did you always have an interest in art then?
1: For sure. I literally can't remember a period in my life when I wasn't interested in art. I mean, without knowing what it was, I was doing character designs in my childhood sketchbook with like these fat crayons.
0: Did you ever do any like painting when you were younger?
1: It was definitely drawing with crayons. I moved away from crayons like last month. I'm just kidding. Um, but, no, I,
0: <laughs> wow, you've improved a lot. <laughs> you really picked up painting.
1: <laughs> my crayons got so good though. Um, <laughs> no, I, I would say most of it was drawing because my frame of reference is probably comic art. So I think painting with like actual paint wasn't something I really did until art school.
0: But you went to college for English. So when did you go to art school?
1: Um I sort of realised I wanted to do art towards the end of that and I went to Art Center for a little bit. Oh, <laughs> I didn't right, right. Graduate, but I went there. So
0: So what kind of classes were you taking at Art Center?
1: A lot of the foundation stuff because it was just like the first couple of terms that I was there. So Unfortunately, I didn't get to the more advanced entertainment classes, but a lot of the foundation classes. And, you know, I went to um, Art Center at night.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, was entertainment something you were interested in? Then? Is that why you went to Art Center?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it was one of those cases where I knew what I liked, or I, I knew what I was interested in, but I didn't quite have the name for it yet, you know, because I was still trying to like, figure out how the art world works you know so it's sort of like oh i've always liked you know video games but i didn't specifically understand that there's this thing called character design until you know i really started taking art classes
0: and that was probably when you took your first traditional painting class i assume in art center
1: yeah it it was definitely like um art center and uh classes i took after that yeah i don't know if that's late or not, <laughs> or if other people have done more painting. But for me, I sort of feel like I've been sort of catching up to it.
0: Yeah, well, there's no early or late for for painting, really. So when did you, would you say you first heard about plain air painting?
1: I think it was probably hearing that there were landscape classes in Art Center. I know it's not plain air specifically, but I think uh, when I was studying head painting at Art Center, there were you know, it was a la prima. So mm-hmm. I think a la prima just made me more used to the idea of doing these sort of, you know, paintings that, that could be done in a sitting and live.
0: Did you do it then? Did you go out plein air painting?
1: I did it a couple of times. Um, to be honest, it didn't really take, I don't know why. It's it's really it's really strange that something, you know, later in your life, you you just take to it quickly and then before that. I mean, it's not like I, you know, I literally knew paintings were a thing (laughs) but for some reason I just didn't take it didn't take as much Um, a couple years after that I took a class with Leighton Hickman through CDA I think that was the first time I did it pretty consistently
0: this must have been um, earlier because I know his work uh, as a vis-dev artist I didn't know that he taught um, landscape painting
1: yeah he he taught a class um, I don't think he does it anymore but it was fun because a lot of us like got along and go to different actually you know a lot of what warrior painters does like we just meet up at different places in los angeles
0: oh yeah yeah did you go out painting with your classmates like outside of class then
1: it was mostly within class i think just because you know cda is a very popular school so people come from all over i mean i'm on the west side and a lot of people aren't so i think it was just a little bit tougher to meet outside of class
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm curious to hear because you do storyboarding, so you're mostly like drawing and not really like working. Do you work in color a lot for what you do?
1: Um, I would say rarely because uh, you want to get into it now, but like most of what I do is uh, shooting boards. Mm -hmm. There are different kinds of boards that people talk about. Shooting boards are specifically for the production team and specifically for the director. So the boards are literally referred to while they're doing shots. Um, but when opposed- they're
0: on set, they're looking at these boards perhaps? Yeah,
1: and, and playing shots, yeah. like um, And they typically be put into what they call like a pre-pro, a pre-production book. As opposed to that is something called pitch boards, where say you have a giant company they would hire an ad agency. The ad agency would be the ones who would come up with the script and say the artistic direction of a commercial. The production team would be the ones who would actually film and do the production of that commercial. And that production team would be the ones hiring me.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: So yeah, the thing about the pitch boards is they're usually a bit more polished. In the theory, the best visual version of that idea because they're trying to sell that idea to somebody so they want to make it look good by the time they're shooting boards, there's often locations that are established or locations that they're looking at in a very real way. So like if I'm drawing the shooting boards, I'm looking at the actual space in which they're going to film it. You know, they might have casts already. So the shooting boards are really production reference for the, for the team, if that makes sense.
0: Okay, so they probably don't have to be as finished and maybe a little bit rough then?
1: Yeah, they definitely can be rough. I think of them less as like, illustrations and more as production tool or guides for people and it's mm-hmm. really just like so the production team has a common frame of reference
0: so it's not so much like oh you're doing a color illustration but these these kind of like they're, they're serving they're more functional i guess yeah, right
1: that's a, that's a really good way to put it yeah they're they're functional they're definitely not always pretty i mean I've literally had to do storyboards as soon as possible. It's kind of a funny job because there's such fast turnarounds for commercials. I mean, just having to meet a director within 15 minutes, having to get along with them and then you just sit next to them for the day and you just draw quickly. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. A little bit of a crazy, that part of the job is crazy. And I think until I talk about it out loud like that, it's sometimes easy to forget that it's that weird. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's so different from like what I experienced at work and I would probably be having a panic attack, <laughs> if I had to have my art director just like watching me work or sitting next to me. But it sounds yeah. like you're used to it.
1: Yeah. It's not always like that, but it's definitely a case where, um, you've definitely felt the pressure. One time I had a super random job where, uh, Andy Garcia was the director. Whoa. Uh, Andy Garcia, like, uh, Ocean's Eleven, Godfather 3. Yeah. Countless other things, Andy Garcia. Towards the end of the day, I think he was on his way out, and I had to finish something up with the board. So he was next to me, waiting for me to finish drawing the boards. And, I mean, that's pretty terrifying. He wasn't mean about it or something, but it's just like, yeah. You know, you don't want to be the person making Any Garcia away. So yeah. you know, there are those random experiences where it's it's a little crazy, but... I don't know. I think part of me sort of likes that excitement in a strange way, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. So now that we kind of have a sense of, of what you do in your profession, so do you feel that like doing plein air painting helps you in any way for what you do for work?
1: I feel like what plein air painting does artistically, uh, especially for somebody like me that you know had more of a comic book, storyboard kind of frame of reference is I think it gives you a really important tool in your toolbox because I definitely remember before I started plein air painting a lot I would be very uneasy with value like Mm. there'd be one specific way and it's sort of like the um a comic booky way to approach value or a very like stylized way to approach value where say I would pick one value is like, okay, this is sort of the shadow tone, you know, and it'd be something like a a 40% or something. And I would put it down, and it would be flat. And I think you've probably seen some of the stuff that I used to do, because I did it way, you know, way at the beginning of Warrior Painters, where it'd be as flat color. And I think I would understand the style well enough to make it visually work, you know, i.e. it looks not terrible. But it's mm-hmm. not like I would feel flexible with, color, uh, with you know, uh, handling value. And I mm-hmm. think like what plein uh, air painting has done is it just makes me feel much more comfortable with using value. Mm-hmm. So I can use it in a different way. And if I have to go more realistic, more, more stylized, I feel more comfortable moving back and forth between those two as opposed to before, where I think just because I didn't understand how value works, I would feel like, oh no, this is the way I know how to do value. And if we don't do that, I'm very, very confused. Mm-hmm. So there's still times where I think, especially with shooting boards, sometimes they're in the gray area where like they're shooting boards, but they're prettier shooting boards that they wind up showing to the client. They can't totally, you know, they have to look kind of all right. And those often require shading and some sort of tone. And I would say air painting definitely helps with that
0: yeah for sure Val- values are, are super super important so what brought you to join the warrior painters
1: it might have been you <laughs> Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was you really yeah
0: <laughs> wait please explain
1: i don't know if you remember like there's some random oh my god this must have been years ago I was like hanging out with David at some Comic-Con and he introduced me to you. Oh. And I think we became friends on Facebook. And then I think you posted about a plain air, like weekend evening group. And I'm pretty sure that's when I first started going. So yeah, I think it was through you.
0: Wow, I feel so
1: special. Yeah, no, this is totally it.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. Because David is often the one a lot of my friends I've met through David, which is funny, but he, he's not really like, or not that involved with the Warrior Painters, but he, I feel like he's the one who's connected with me with a lot of people that have eventually joined the Warrior Painters. So yeah, definitely thanks like to, to David. That.
1: Yeah, shout, shout out to David.
0: Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm so glad that you did join. <laughs> well,
1: thank you. No, I
0: appreciate it. Now, I remember when you, when you first joined, you were mostly working, um, with pen and ink, right? You, you weren't quite painting yet?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was mostly using, yeah, ink.
0: But then you eventually moved on to introduce more colors.
1: Yeah, right? yeah.
0: And I remember you got good really fast. It was kind of scary how much you were improving.
1: Kind of crazy for me to hear you say that because I was a very, very slow art student. Like, I sort of feel like it really took me a long time to understand stuff.
0: Maybe everyone
1: feels that way, but I sort of felt that way specifically.
0: But everybody learns at their own pace. So maybe it took you a couple more years and you, like, figured out how to learn, right? And you Yeah, I think that was
1: it. You know, it's sort of like, I guess art's a little weird because sometimes I feel like you could be learning, but you don't always immediately see the results of that learning. And. Yeah yeah, maybe that was it where everything sort of like clicked at this very like particular point where I was like, oh, okay, I got it. And, you know, like I did learn about values in art school and I did, you know, try painting. So it wasn't like I'd never painted before, but I feel like, you know, especially since I, you know, like left our center and took a bunch of random classes, I think I had always sort of felt that I had a gap in my education. And I would definitely say that painting was that biggest gap like the fact i never really got it i was always conscious of and that's why when i mentioned earlier like you know i'd be very aware that if i colored i'd be doing it this particular way Mm -hmm. within this very specific comfort zone but like as soon as i got out of it i wouldn't really know how to do it yeah i think the fact that it was this gap in my education was one of the another reason why i wanted to do warrior painters just because it was like all right just maybe I can get painting this time because I've tried before and it never really took. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to ask, cause you said initially you're taking your first painting classes didn't quite take for you. So what, what would you say changed? Was it joining the warrior painters or maybe you were just at a stage that you could finally like process and understand things that you didn't before and became more fun for you maybe.
1: Um, honestly, I think it was the fact that, um, People were really welcoming, but at the same time, really good. And uh, I swear I'm not saying that to butter you up or for the podcast. <laughs> so true. Um, there were a lot of people I could learn from, and I felt comfortable coming back. I think that really helps. You know, it was just sort of the repetition of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in a strange way, I don't always do well in classes, mm-hmm. but I think I, and I like teaching myself things. Which seems sort of masochistic, but I mean, like, I do think in a lot of ways I do like teaching myself things and even something like Warrior Painters, like, because it's sort of not within the structure of a class, I maybe feel not as much pressure. Like, it was almost like painting became this, like, fun thing I did on the weekend that wasn't Mm. specifically related to storyboards. And I think it did help that, like, it wasn't a thing that was, my job was writing on. I wasn't thinking, like, oh my god, if I screw this up, going to be fired like it was more like an enjoyable activity with other artists that i got to do and i think the repetition of it helps because if you do that every week or every couple of weeks consistently for years like it pays off
0: oh yeah absolutely and and clearly we've seen that with you and and how much your painting has improved and gotten awesome
1: (laughs) well no that's so nice of you to say i I also think and again for the podcast i swear i'm not just saying this to butter you up i think (laughs) I mean, having so many good people is really crucial. I feel for artist development, it sounds, I don't know if it sounds counterintuitive, but I feel like, you know, there's this weird psychological game you almost have to play with yourself. There's a great quote by Ira Glass where he talks about perfectionism and wanting to get good and how the learning process is, I don't have it pulled up, but he's essentially saying, One of the things that happens when you learn a skill is that your judgment learns faster than your ability. So you sort of like become discouraged because you can start telling when things are good and your ability to make things good isn't as fast. And if you suddenly expose yourself and compare yourself to awesome people all at once, I think it can be very psychologically difficult. Mm -hmm. So I think, you have to sort of strike this balance where you have to look at really good people, but at the same time, I think it has to be in a way that is comfortable for you. Um, one of the things I like about Warrior Painters is that I think people are good, but it feels like everyone has their own process, so it doesn't feel as directly competitive.
0: Yeah, you're not in art school.
1: Not yeah, yeah. Crazy. It's not like <laughs> everyone's trying to beat each other. yeah. yeah there's so many different processes and I think that really helps because you can tell people are good. So you have the benefit of learning from skilled people, but at the same time, you know, like, because everyone has a different process, I think a, you feel less of that direct pressure and B it gives you um, more ways to learn because Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone learns differently. And I think with warrior painters, you know, if you've got like 14 different painters there, there are 14 different approaches you can sort of just take from. And I, I definitely have tried to steal all the really good ideas from all the as many people as I could at Warrior Painters. So
0: I think, Good. you know, So do you ever do more planner painting like outside of, of the group? Do you have um, some kind of schedule or routine for, for art that you do outside of work?
1: Oh, this is one of those questions I saw on the sheet and I thought, I hope she doesn't ask this question. Um, <laughs> no, my schedule is super, super random, but because you have the phone all the time, it meant that I always had this way to like digitally paint.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. It's it's basically your digital sketchbook. Right. Yeah. That you're carrying around.
1: Yeah. It's a little tougher. I mean, it's tough in direct light, but you know, as long as I had shade or if it was at night, you know, I could always paint a scene. And I think that really helped because it was basically if I saw a nice sunset, I would break out the, you know, sketch pad on my phone and just with the stylist do a little color study. But yeah, I can't do pressure sensitivity on it. So the only way I could mix colors or, you know, create edges is I basically had to either mix the color or change the width of the brush. Mm -hmm. And that actually really helped because most of the times I'd just be directly picking the color. And I think doing those little tiny studies also helped a lot.
0: Yeah, and and when you have more limitations, um, I think it just challenges you to come up with new ways and, and it just makes you a better artist or problem solver, which you've done. Um, getting around that pressure sensitivity, which is great.
1: Yeah, and that I definitely learned from watching all of you because so many people worked in gouache. I sort of felt like, you know, I got to see how all of you like created the effect of light, you know, with color. How you create the feeling of light. I think that's probably the main thing I wanted to get from plain air painting.
0: Yeah, I yeah. think that that's the goal for for all of us plein air paintings. Like, want to get that light. Want to get that lighting. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I said, something like wash really helps you do it digitally. At least for me.
0: Now you, you can draw, you do ink, you um, can paint and there's digital and there's traditional. Do you have a favorite medium that you like to work with?
1: You always remember your first love. I think my favorite medium is still inking. Yeah. But I, I would say that connecting it back to uh, the warrior painters and plein air painting is that I sort of feel like now that I have this other tool in my toolbox, it's really made the inking itself more flexible. Instead of just sort of doing like a very line-based inking, you know, that's more like cartoony, sometimes I do inking where I'll like break the contours or have the feeling of like light spilling in. And a lot of that knowledge comes from painting and a lot of how to handle the directions of strokes, I think, They're not always identical, but inking and painting definitely, like, help each other. Like, I think inking can help with, like, precision, but painting can help in terms of just how to create, like, artistically appealing marks. I mean, they both, yeah, they both help each other. When I'm inking, whereas before I might have thought about individual objects, with painting, you sort of group things by value. It makes you a stronger inker as well.
0: Yeah, that that's really, really well put. They really just help each other. doesn't matter what you're learning. Like, you learn one thing, and it'll somehow influence how you paint or how you draw. Just more encouragement for people to try more things, right? And learn them all if you can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, I guess I'll say also, like, I started doing a lot of marker stuff because I go to a lot of, like, life drawing sessions or costume drawing sessions. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, In those sessions, especially since I'm not really a fast painter, I didn't think it was, like, practical for me to try to, you know, do, like, a color painting within a specific amount of time. At least for me, like, I just couldn't work that fast. But I wound up using a lot of, like, Copic markers. It's pretty, like, easy to see why. But doing painting really, really helped me use markers well, you know, because it's sort of, you already are used to understanding how value works. Right. I don't know. It's sort of, like, if values is just, like, weird territory i was like scared of going into you know painting kind of opened that up so now it's like you can sort of go wherever you want and things are yeah much less like separated
0: with a hard line yeah um are there any planner artists that you are looking at right now And um, they don't have to be planner artists or maybe artists illustrators that you're a fan of
1: i mean I'm going to sound like a total suck-up, but I mean, like, I I love the work that everyone in the Warrior Painters does. Um, I feel like Angela and Peter Tan, you know, like the way that they break down uh, light into planes, and in a lot of ways, I think, like, colors I wouldn't expect Mm -hmm. is really cool. I don't know if this is more common in animation. I don't want to, like, stereotype, but I sort of feel like when I look at a lot of background painters and visual designers doing animation and, you know, what a lot of word painters do, I feel like there's so much saturation and play with color, whereas in other fields, maybe the emphasis is sort of like on, you know, photographic values and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I I really love how these color combinations can create the color vibration or the optical blending, like broken color effects like it's so cool and it adds so much life to the color and that's that's something I love seeing so I find that hugely inspiring in terms of painters I really really like Scott Burdick
0: what was that Scott Burdick
1: yeah Scott and then B-U-R-D-I-C-K his partner Susan Lyons really good too but I think I love I love just his very juicy way of painting I was taught by Bill Perkins years ago and I like Bill Perkins and Dan McCaw's style, too, where it's a little more, um, I'd say, like, impressionistic. Mm -hmm. In terms of process, actually, Rob Ruppel's um, book really helped me, too.
0: Oh, yeah, um, Graphic LA, right?
1: Yeah, Graphic LA. Like, I'm a native of Los Angeles, so I think in a weird way, I've always been fascinated by urban landscapes. And that book really just, like, because it's all sort of like that urban landscape exploration or you know city as landscape there's something about that that really appealed to me and then his process I think especially as somebody who didn't consider myself a quote-unquote painter and I was really trying to relearn it from the ground up it was a crazy process it wasn't like oh you have to buy his specific brushes to be like you know Rob Rupel. it was like oh you're just using like hard rectangles except that you're really really good at composition yeah and, value and color and you know there's no shortcut and I thought that was a really good breakdown. Like his doing studies of his stuff really helped too. I think.
0: Yeah, those are. I'm. I'm a fan of all those artists too. Really amazing. I think we'll end off on this question. What are some tips that you would give to people who want to get into plein air painting?
1: I guess, like I said, uh, repetition is pretty important. I'm trying to think of a more fun way to put that.
0: It is what it is. You just have to practice, right?
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'd say the key to repetition is you have to find what interests you about the subject. Los Angeles is an interesting city to me. You know, there's like a lot of history here and it's just, it's got so many weird things about it. It's such a unique city. And I think a lot of times when I was plein air painting, I think it wasn't just a study. And I think for every artist, there's going to be something different but it wasn't really so much like about doing it just to get good and grinding it out. It was more like what's the feeling you get when you see a neon sign reflected in the rain or like a cool sunset, or maybe there's like a piece of architecture that's really interesting. You know, like Los Angeles has so much amazing architecture. So maybe it's the history of that architecture, you know, like it's not just an exercise, but it's, it's a piece of culture. And I think, find what's specifically interesting to you about it and i think if you get used to finding things that are specifically interesting to you and this is going to sound a little cheesy but it's very true i think you learn a little bit about yourself too you know because like we all have different things we like your special interest and i think ultimately it's what makes your art distinct and plein air painting is just another way of exploring that that was a little long but i guess my tip would just be find what you like about it find what you're interested in and just go nuts and lean into it.
0: Yeah, that that was very, very well said. Thanks. Excellent advice. Well, thank you so much, Vince. That was really, really fun.
1: Thank you for having me. And again, (laughs) nobody's uh, bribing me or making me say this, but I think the warrior painters, it's so important to have a group that's welcoming where there are people from different backgrounds and people who are driven without being competitive and you know where they're supportive of each other i think that's a very special and rare thing to find and especially in los angeles um it is very tough to find people who will consistently meet <laughs> i would say yeah. that, that is <laughs> true. that is more <laughs> so for anyone who's interested
0: in even
1: casually plain air painting i would absolutely recommend it
0: oh thank you Thanks so much, Vince. thank <laughs> you for having me Hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any suggestions, please leave your comments on whichever platform you are listening with. And if you like this podcast and other events we're organized, please consider donating to us on Gumroad. You'll find a link in the description. Thank you and hope to see you again soon.